1: As a true football fan, you already know that just as sure as the seasons change, you can count on the Bengals drafting a quarterback number one overall at least once per decade. <laughs> Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? The season is almost over, so you better make the most out of it and bet some Skrilla on my bookie today. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They got the most up-to-date lines, the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. You can do parlays. You can pick prop bets like we said before. You can uh, do whatever you want. You can just bet on the Steelers every week and then you'd be us. And if you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie's going to get you into the game. Best part is if you join right now my bookie will double your first deposit. If you give if you put in 1000, they'll give a 1000 us double your first deposit if you use the promo code chair to activate the offer. C H A I R visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid.
0: Needing a win in the final contest and help from the other team. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's December 27th, 2019. This is Tom and Nick, once again coming to you from Sawdust Studios in a suburban enclave outside of Washington, D.C. As my beautiful wife, that's Nick's mom, hunts us down to begin pulling down Christmas decorations... We waited for a moment while she was distracted, and we escaped to the bowels of the house to do this special version of the podcast where we preview the Steelers-Ravens game for this weekend. Just as a side note, uh, as much as she loves Christmas, she can't wait to take things down fast enough. She becomes quite heathen-like at That's this right. time of year.
1: You've had to be pretty aggressive over the years, um, inching her way towards Griswold's status. Uh, albeit no rainbow lights allowed, only the white lights. And honestly, I, m- I might have to side with her on that. It looks pretty classy. Can't mind. But you used to only be able to do like the the deck, and now it's just a it's just a force field of Christmas lights around the house. So we take what we can get. Next year will be the first
0: year for a cherry picker, All right. so I can get them really high on the roof. Yeah. Maybe hey, just a, a quick overview of what our chances for getting it. What what needs to happen for the Steelers to get into the playoffs? The simple scenario is the Steelers have to take care of business against the Ravens, and Tennessee has to lose or tie Houston, mm. which, you know, Houston's actually getting points in this game.
1: Houston is playing their starters, I believe. Now I think the they play earlier than the Steelers, and some people have said that's a... Uh, that's unfortunate for the Steelers because you might be motivated or unmotivated to win the game. At the, it doesn't matter at all. All I know is that Houston said that they're playing their starters and they're playing to win. Last time I checked, maybe we need to see if anything changed, but usually that kind of stuff doesn't. Houston just beat Tennessee like two weeks ago. They had the same scenario that the Steelers have with the Browns where you play a divisional opponent like two times in three weeks. And the Titans have won like six in a row and Houston brought them back down to earth. And I think, is this game in Houston? I'm Did looking, we? Let's see. Do we figure that out? We should have known it
0: before, man, right? Uh, yeah, it's at home. Yeah,
1: it's in Houston, and uh, the Texans are playing their starter. So, hey, there's actually a decent chance of that happening. Um, do you want to go over the other uh, scenarios real quick before we go into the chances of the Steelers beating the Ravens? Or How about if irrelevant? I just
0: leave it at this? There are several other scenarios. It's all, all of which will win you a million dollars if you
1: bet a hundred bucks okay. on it, like the Steelers tie. And Tennessee loses, we're in. So let's talk about the Steelers' chances of beating the Ravens. There's actually plenty to talk about, although this game in particular is about as interesting as the game was last year against the Bengals in the final game, where it's like, ah, uh, this is sort of a lackluster, lackluster end of the season where you got to win this game. Baltimore's not playing their starters as they said. RG three is going to be making the start at quarterback. Uh, Earl Thomas, and I don't know who else on defense isn't playing. I don't know about the cornerbacks. Maybe we can find that so and see. So,
0: here's what I have. Lamar Jackson, yeah. Mark Ingram out. Yeah, They have a guard, Marshall Yonda, mm-hmm. safety Earl Thomas, and defensive lineman Brandon Williams all supposedly sitting this game.
1: Okay, well, I'll say this. Earl Thomas, I've been seeing this online. People don't Understand the concept of age in the NFL and that people get older and they get worse. This is not Seahawks Earl Thomas, okay? He, If you watch highlights throughout the course of the year, the guy gets burned from time to time on, on deep plays. It's just like Breeze and Brady. It's like, yeah, you can still win and you can still be good, but they're not Breeze and Brady from a few years ago. Oh, no, but their record's great. Do, do they have defenses? No. I think that Tom Brady just plays one on 11 against all the re- – no, okay? So – These guys get older. Earl Thomas is older. So him being out isn't, like, the biggest deal in the world. But from a communication perspective, that is pretty big for the Steelers because he knows how to direct that defense out there. They have a bunch of good cornerbacks who will still be playing, and that's what worries me a little bit with this um, Steelers passing game. But I guess... um, I don't know, it's honestly, it feels like we do the same preview for every game every week. It's 50/50 for the Steelers. If Lamar Jackson was playing, I'd say the Steelers have almost no chance despite them uh, playing the Ravens so close in the first matchup. but it's in Baltimore. There's no Lamar. So I don't I think RG3 is the perfect backup quarterback for the Ravens. I think that's an example of really intelligent team building where you've built your entire team around this mobile quarterback. So it doesn't make sense for you to have Landry Jones as your backup. They go and get RG3, who we can get into him later, but he's played much better since he's been on the Ravens, at least in preseason scenarios. And the kneel downs have been crisp, as far as I can see. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that... uh, I don't think it's like when you... I don't think it's like we're going to be playing against Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges, but I also don't think that there's any chance that a guy can go from not playing in such a long time to being able to do remotely what Lamar Jackson does against this phenomenal Steelers defense. So it should be a low-scoring game, as usual. It's, a good, it's an interesting point you made, that they, they
0: got a quarterback in the mold of their starting quarterback as a backup. Yeah. It, this is just interest. This doesn't really have to do with what will happen in this game, but the Steelers have faced RG3 twice in his career. One was when he oh, was laid with the, him out. We yes, well, they Washington Redskins yeah. just did not take care of him. In 2012, he played for the Redskins in a 27 to 12 Steeler victory.
1: Yeah, Ryan. Clark. And then
0: as late as 2016, he was with Cleveland, where we again scored 27 points, and uh, Cleveland had 24. Mm-hmm. So he, I went through his his 2019 season. He did play a significant number of snaps, relatively speaking. everybody out. Yeah, in <laughs> in mop up duty. Um, trying to see if there's anything interesting in here.
1: But the preseason was where he was really shining. And and, and I know this only goes so far, but people at training camps were saying, like, yeah, you can see this guy's been humbled. Um, You know what's actually interesting? We might as well tell the story on the podcast now because, like I said, the preview itself of this game with the Ravens playing their backups isn't exactly thrilling. I think it's kind of 50-50 that the Steelers will win. It's in Baltimore. That obviously plays a factor The quarterback play for the Steelers, it's like, can it get any worse? I don't know. Maybe Duck will have less pressure on him because Rudolph's not looking over his shoulder, and Duck's embarrassed himself on national TV a couple times in a row, so maybe he'll come out there and sling it. But that Ravens offense, uh, they just don't have a ton of talent on them if RG3 is not on the field. So I think that the Steelers will be able to slow them down pretty easily. But interesting on RG3, he has such a weird sad NFL trajectory and it seems like he's redeemed himself a little bit he reminds me of like well Darius Hayward Bay but like Darius Hayward Bay was never a douche at any point because the story which Chris Sims has told at length on his podcast is because Chris Sims is very close to the Shanahan family Kyle Shanahan's best friend now they don't talk a lot now during the season because you, you can't tell people what you don't know if you know what I mean it's a little safer for Kyle to play it close to the best but the story he's told is Um, The reason why everything went wrong in Washington is if you watch them play, this is where people oversimplify and just say this quarterback is otherworldly talented, where I think guys like RG3 and Lamar Jackson have more talent than anyone who's ever played, but they have the offenses and the teams that built the systems around them. RG3's coordinator was Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan touches an offense and it turns to gold. He took the Brian Hoyer... Uh, Browns to a top 15 or 10 finish. Obviously, you saw what he did with the Falcons. You obviously see what he's doing with the 49ers. Well, he was the coordinator for that offense in Washington. But Dan Snyder, shockingly, got himself very close to RG3. He would have him over for dinner all the time. Keep in mind, what was RG3, like 21 years old at the time? He didn't know which one the salad fork was, I don't think, yet. Actually, there's a story about Michael Vick not knowing about the steak (laughs) knife at a... There's a Bleacher Report uh, interview where Michael Vick talks to a dude and he plays pool. And the owner, Arthur Blank, took Michael Vick out for, like, a nice steak dinner. He had never had anything like that in his life. So, you might not be wrong. But either way... Kyle Shanahan designed this brilliant offense around RG3 That res- that's all rollouts, play actions, read options, easy completions, and it took advantage of RG3's incredible off- athleticism and his strong arm. Well, Dan Snyder, like Emperor Palpatine in Star Wars, got into Anakin, if Anakin is RG3 in this instance, got into his head and basically decided that they want to make him a pocket passer, because you know what they say about Dan Snyder. The man knows his X's and O's. You can say whatever you want about business, but he knows his X's and O's. And so after that season, after that horrible injury that RG3 suffered, uh, RG3 apparently pulled all the coaches into the meeting room's in Washington like during the offseason said you guys got to come in I have to talk to you and when they all got there he had a whiteboard up with bullet points written all the way down it. and he said I listened to you guys talk all season now you're going to listen to me talk and he had all these offensive line protections that he wanted to change and just craziness that's like if Ben goes in and Ben had Sean Payton as his offensive coordinator and said get out I want Feetner give me Feetner give me Feetner and Haley you don't think you can do that? And he well, would do that? Well, that's neither here nor there. But either way, it was a bad decision. And so, yeah, then they uh, they basically... Uh, that's why Shanahan actually talks crap openly about the Redskins in press conferences this year. He's done it a couple times, taking digs at them. They asked Kyle Shanahan before the Washington game, like, what was... like?" I don't remember what they said. It was like, what was the best part about being in Washington? Is it like leaving or something like that? I'm butchering the quote, but it was something that was totally damning like that. And so moral of the story is RG3 had a giant blown up head that was made worse by the owner who was empowering him to do that. And then we saw his, his sad decline. And it seems you see a lot of these guys go out of the league, but I think that he's kind of been humbled a little bit. And if you see everything on social media, he's always celebrating after games, and it's it's constant with him, uh, with the Ravens. And I think he knows that. Hey, I'm still making a bunch of money to play football, even if my, and I, you know, stardom is over. Maybe there's a a small chance if he plays great in this game. There's definitely some teams who would consider him. You know, uh, so I think he's been humbled. And at the end of the day, he has great athletic ability. Is it as good as it was when he was a rookie? No, but it still is. Like the dude was selected number two overall, right? So I know that's sort of off topic, but I think it's such an interesting NFL story. So maybe when you watch him play, you can kind of think of it through that. And I respect a guy who who humbles himself. Um, there's a couple guys out there who uh, haven't humbled themselves, and maybe we'll get into some of their business later in this podcast. Well, if we can harken
0: back to the first game against... The Ravens. We lost that twenty-six to twenty-three in a field goal fest. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately,
1: roughing the passer on the last drive on Lamar Jackson.
0: The um, didn't exist. Yeah. So Lamar Jackson had seventy yards rushing in that game. This is an interesting <coughs> statistic. I, I was not keeping track of this at all, but the Ravens need ninety-three rushing yards to set a new single season mark. It's insane. And that they would be eclipsing a mark of three thousand one hundred sixty-five yards. Set by the Patriots in 1978.
1: The, the 70s Patriots out of all the teams. That so was you're, uh, still failing geometry. Well,
0: well, that goes
1: way back. That, that was an omen of things to come in 2006 or whatever for me. But So yeah. I
0: think that, they, they relatively, I think they're they probably relatively contained that. him, and they, they can figure out these running quarterbacks. I mean, they took yeah. care of Kyler Murray and mm-hmm. um, last game.
1: Oh, Josh Allen. Josh yeah, Allen. Got, yeah I, I agree. I just... Uh, Lamar Jackson is so unbelievable. I, no matter how good RG3 is, I'm not saying he can't have a good game, but I feel good about the Steelers' defense versus the Ravens' offense. And the Ravens, they started uh, shaky on defense this year, which is so weird. They were an offensive team with a suspect defense. We've never heard that a single time about the Baltimore Ravens. But since then, they have like one of the top three or four. Yeah, I guess they're third in points per game allowed. Yeah, they got the th- their stuff together on defense, as they always do. Um, And I feel, you know, same way I do every game about the Steelers' offense. Who knows? Can we get a deep ball to James Washington? (laughs) Can we – will Connor play? I have no idea. Establishing a run game, well, with Brandon Williams out their big nose tackle, that's huge. He has a massive effect on their ability to defend the run. But we can't figure out how to run. Well,
0: not when they put in ten guys in the box. I mean, yeah. you just—you were talking about the cornerbacks. I think it's almost—it almost it almost doesn't matter because we're not yeah. – I mean, it's not that Duck hasn't tried to go downfield. It's just that he can't hit receivers downfield.
1: I don't know. I think that it's part – yeah, I agree. Part of it's that, like, just lacks the arm strength. Um, we saw that on the interception on the out route where Tredavious White against the Bills picked that off and it was just, like, inaccurate. He had to try so hard to get it out there. It was both inaccurate and slow, and they were able to take it away. And then last week when he threw the interception on, in the end zone – when Samuels was doing that corner out, that seemed like a combination of maybe some arm stuff, but also just recognition. Like if he threw that ball earlier, the safety wouldn't have had time to get over there. So it's kind of like he just can't do anything at this point. His pocket presence—sometimes he goes into sat. We know it's a disaster with the quarterbacks. And still, at the end of the day, I'd rather watch Duck play. Yeah, I think I like Duck. How can you not like Duck, even if he sucks? <laughs> I think
0: his experience in games is almost a negative for him. Because he does, he did have something to lose, right? He was four yeah. zero, and he had, and he, his reputation was growing. And I don't think anybody said, "Wow, he's the next thing." Right. But he was good enough to go four and zero, and not, you know, he doesn't seem like a guy who would let it go to his head. But yeah. maybe with his confidence, he was overconfident in abilities he doesn't have. And we won for other reasons. He just was a consummate—I wouldn't even call him a game manager. I mean. He didn't, lo- he didn't kill us. What's the court backup court? quarterback
1: syndrome? It's like you go in with nothing to lose. Like The fact that he even got into an NFL game this year is like a miracle. He's the fourth quarterback yeah. on the depth chart, got cut before the regular season, and so many things had to come together for him to get into a game that he knew, like it's my time to get in there. Mason Rudolph has been so bad, and the Steelers fans hated him so much that it's kind of like the perfect situation to go in and sling it, like he did against Baltimore the first time, and then he played fine against the Chargers, and... You know, in some subsequent games besides that. And then, yeah, now you're the starter. Now the eyes are on you. And also, teams have a few games of tape on you, so they really see your um, physical abilities. So then the pressure's on, whereas there was no pressure before. What's so weird is this guy's, I think he, you know, he's legitimately playing for his NFL career right now. There's nothing that he's put out there on film yet that really says like some team needs to sign him next year or, or whatever it is. But if he has a good showing, that might be the difference between getting an invite for a tryout or actually getting signed as a second, third string quarterback somewhere. Because when you're an undrafted guy in the NFL, sometimes you only get one chance. I mean, especially as a quarterback, you know, people always need linemen all the time, but as a quarterback, you only get one shot as opposed to first rounder like Artie Burns, who can suck for four years straight and keep getting opportunity after opportunity and part of the reason for him getting so many opportunities is obviously because the team invested a lot in him and they want to make themselves look good and then the other part of the uh, opportunity is that these first rounders have higher athletic ceilings like look at Bud Dupree he didn't suck his first 3-4 years but he wasn't that good and now he has emerged and he's able to use those physical tools so this really could be it for Duck's opportunity to be a professional football player don't you feel like the pressure must be crushing?
0: I mean, not only did the Steelers have a chance to go to the playoff, be that as it may, I know that you know right. not likely they go far if they could get in at all. Mm-hmm. But as they you can, out, he's got to put he's got to put something on the tape. When he's had flashes, but I don't think anybody builds a team around him. And given the fact he was undrafted, does anybody even care if they bring him in as anything more than a camp arm?
1: Yeah. So be, I, I just yeah, think I this
0: guy come. He's been. He's been advertised as you know this this cu- cool cucumber, and he had I mean, he appears that way in these interviews. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He's starting to feel like a little bit on edge when I watch the interviews with him. I'm like, i like, yeah. I just do what I do. You know, I just go in. We we got a process, and I'll go out there and I have to hit my throws.
1: Well, I'm scared. What they're gonna do is go extra ultra conservative, like they did the first few games, because he had a comment earlier this week about I just have to play a little bit more, like I did the first few times I went in, which is just taking them what the defense gives me. And you're not going to win any games like that and I'm scared Feetner's not going to let him go downfield and I don't even know if it's you know they did throw too much against the the Buffalo Bills for sure so and and we know everybody out there who's yelling and screaming about Feetner Feetner's the huge issue too I mean that's just a given but uh I agree this is why that this is why football is so interesting and the NFL is so interesting there's like this human element of how is this guy going to respond to this unbelievably pressure packed situation you could argue that there's more pressure on this than there is in a Super Bowl for like a quarterback let's say Philip Rivers finally got to the Super Bowl he's never won one if he can get this, it totally he goes to the Hall of Fame if he wins one, he's in the Hall of Fame shoe-in if he doesn't win one, he's out but if he doesn't win one he's the starter again the next year and he's still a legend Duck, he might be playing for his opportunity to be a professional football player right now, and how are you going to respond? Are you going to be tight? you going to be scared, which most people probably would be. <laughs> yeah. Or are you going to go in there and say, screw it, this is all I have. I'm going to go in there and let it loose if it's magic mode. Well, I guess we're going to find out. Well, my keys to the game, Kareth
0: White. Not I even being talked about. Of course, of course. You got Deontay for return.
1: Uh, you know what? For part something return. Kareth is doing the kicker turns, yeah. Well, we're a Kareth well, White I, was, podcast, I, I so. think
0: I'd like to see Kareth White carry the ball more. Absolutely. And, and when we talk
1: about, you know, giving the,
0: giving the taking what the defense gives me, I mean, how... Shouldn't he be throwing more balls to running backs?
1: than oh, he has been. Oh, yeah. The Steelers should be doing that in Forget general. Forget about downtime. I mean, but it's been sixteen, you know, fifteen games already, and Feetner can't figure that out, anyways. Yeah, you got a perfect weapon, and Carath White, even Connor's got it doing. I don't know if Connor's playing, but
0: so we picked off Jackson three times in the first game. Yeah. In addition to five sacks, which I, I mean, I hope we can get to RG three. We can. So we expect the defense to be able to stop Baltimore's offense, but they also need to take the ball away and return some kicks.
1: Exactly, and that's what we've been talking to our to the audience about for the past few weeks is that it's just not a sustainable way to win, to have to get turnovers and have to get a special team splash play or something like that in order to win games. But the funny thing is the Steelers' defense is so great this year that they have been able to rely on that. So I'm not saying it's out of the question at all this week against uh, against Baltimore, especially against a quarterback who hasn't had meaningful game action in quite some time. So the question is, what do you do with an anemic offense? Well, I don't know what you're doing with an anemic offense, but I know what you do with an anemic man. Blue Chew. Dudes, you remember the days when you were always ready to go? I I think about them all the time. And now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence, that extra juice in bed with Blue Chew. And that's BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Maybe... Maybe Duck could pop a few of these bad boys before he gets out there and get his confidence up. Well, and if by confident up, I mean confidence up. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Okay, if you could benefit from that extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Best part about it is that it's prescribed online and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit. You don't have to take your relationship with with your physician to that level. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy you get that and then they're even cheaper when you use the code armchair because if you use that code blue chew will give you your first shipment for free all you got to do is pay $5 in shipping so that's b l u e c h e w.com promo code armchair to try it for free blue chew is a better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast Let's wrap up this
0: preview by just noting who the Steelers won't be playing with, obviously besides Ben. So uh, Marquise Pouncey is out. That's unfortunate. James Conner doesn't. Looks like a sliver of a chance at all if he'll play. Cut on Me game. shocked.
1: Um, who else do you have? Well, Juju's still on the. Uh, Juju should be in. Juju should be in. Yeah, so those Steelers are a little shorthanded, but obviously... Oh, Joe uh, Hayden has a foot problem, so he's
0: questionable. Well, actually, Hayden
1: and Nelson, so that might be a game-time decision. That might change my prediction for the game, but I have a feeling that one of those guys, if not both of them, will be able to find a way to play, uh, especially with this being sort of a de facto playoff game. And, you know, for us at home, saying they're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs, I don't think these players care. I think they've bought in, and they take a lot of pride in, in, in being able to turn this thing around. Which, by the way, I haven't heard much from the people who earlier in the season, when the Steelers were on a winning streak, when they're saying, look at this, finally, Ben's gone. Brown's gone. That was the problem. Tomlin, who we've trashed for all these years, never mind. He's amazing. We're not going to give him any credit whatsoever for keeping Brown under wraps, but now we're going to give him credit by backhanding Ben and Brown and Bell to their face by saying the Steelers team is better than ever, and now they're on the verge of going 8-8. Eight and eight. But weirdly enough, I haven't heard anybody walk back that sentiment. One of those guys being the legend, the most like, likable Browns player ever after Joe Hayden, who no longer is a Browns player. He's a Steelman. Joe Thomas, legendary offensive tackle for the Browns. I just thought that this was interesting on Twitter. He had been talking some mad crap over the offseason. He had tweets out there saying that, I guarantee you by this time next year, uh, this was you know before the season started, uh, the Steelers will get last place in the AFC North. Well, Joe, they didn't get last place. They didn't get second to last place. That'll be your Browns who got second to last place. They're getting second place, regardless of what happens in this game uh, coming up right here, right? Aren't they? Well, either way, uh, people are saying, hey, Joe, remember this prediction? Why don't you uh, take the L, buddy? He won't do it. He just he changes the scope of the argument and says, uh, in response to his prediction about the Steelers being in last place, he says Steelers fans, with their great tradition, shouldn't be bragging about an 8-8 eight and eight season or about a 9-7 and seven season. And to which I said, Joe, that's not, you didn't say anything about 8 and 8 or 9 and 7. You said last place. Why don't more people, more analysts, eat the L when they're wrong? That's what I like about Chris Sims, who I mentioned. I'm a big Chris Sims fan. I know everybody gives him so much crap for his quarterbacks list, which I just, I can't fathom because most people's quarterbacks list is they look at a, a spreadsheet and say, oh, number of Super Bowls. Okay, that's the most, so that's the best one. That's the second most, so that's the second best one. There you go. Except for when then it comes to Eli Manning, and they're like, two, okay, well, it doesn't count for him. It counts for this guy, it counts for that guy. All I'm trying to say is that uh, Sims is the kind of guy, and there's a couple other people out there, we try to do this, who admit when they were wrong about the predictions or prognostications. And for me, that gives you a tremendous deal of credibility as an analyst because I know that you're not just overly biased. But Big Joe, I guess he's just been waiting to to talk for ten years. He played...
0: Tackle? Offensive lineman? Oh, yeah, tackle. So, they weren't a lot of talk, as you pointed out. Fair enough. Who was the last? There have been some great uh, transitions from playing football to being an analyst. Uh, I mean, Romo what? is a whole different yeah. planet.
1: Ryan Clark, Damian Woody. You can the last go on offensive uh, lineman who was good? Damian Woody? I don't know if he's the most recent. I didn't know who. I was thinking just Saturday. Saturday is good, too. Yeah, I a think lot he's of the, good. Actually, a lot of linemen are great. It's, yeah. It is funny. They're like cattle on the field, but then. They're usually very the intelligent guys, type of guys, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, imagine Marquise Pouncey as an analyst. <laughs> I, I want to see football raw with Marquise Pouncey, and the logo is just a, a, a silhouette of him kicking Miles Garrett in the head. I'd, I'd like to see the bag, big ragu. Oh, like he'd be the, phenomenal.
0: I think he'd be fantastic.
1: you got to assume he's going to stick around with the Steelers in some capacity, right? You were talking about charity events that the Steelers were doing recently, and it was like uh, will the Gay, bus, Will Gay, Will
0: Allen. Will Allen. Yeah, the bus, they were all back in town.
1: Yeah, Steelmen are lucky. Too bad they won't have the same uh, uh, experience with some other players, but it's cool seeing all the former Steelers still stick around the team and, and be involved in some way. But uh, one guy who I don't think will be involved in any way for the history of time is... Uh, Antonio Antonio Brown who as of a couple hours ago uh, basically announced that the Saints are working him out and this is an interesting proposition because no matter what happens if the Saints sign Brown he's not going to be able to play in the playoffs because the instant a team signs him he will most likely be placed on the commissioner's uh, like non-exempt football list so basically he can't play, but they still the team still has to pay him. And this is the main reason why nobody signed him yet, because they know that, oh, we're going to have to pay this guy's massive salary, but he's not even going to get to play for us. But, the sneaky little Saints found the loophole because teams do not pay their players during the playoffs. The league, the NFL, gives a stipend, right? They, they pay a very small number for NFL team, You know, for a star like Brown, you're barely making anything in the playoffs. But for guys like Duck Hodges or whatever, it's actually a huge deal. Every playoff game could be it's not a couple grand. I think it's more than that. I don't know if it's 10 grand or whatever it is. So it was like 25. 25? Yes, yeah, so that's huge for a duck. Yeah. But for someone like Brown, it's whatever. It's negligible. And so the Saints would be able to store him kind of on the inactive list without having to pay him. And then I assume the plan would be to get the trial and and, and stuff res- investigation resolved over the off season and then have him ready to play in New Orleans next year, which would be an absolute nightmare and I'd be so angry because he'd have 200 catches in one season thanks to Sean Payton, but uh weird little situation. I hate talking about this guy, but he it's impossible not to. He keeps popping up.
0: The Saints are bringing in several receivers and there's a, a story that Michael Thomas has been limited in practice but mm-hmm. with with a, a non-serious injury to his hand. Uh this can't He'll be, be re- fine. I mean, Brown can't be related to this. group. I think I think they're just trying to bolster their wide receiver options going into this into the playoffs. But he so be able Antonio to play. right. So Antonio it just seems like an odd time to bring him in, I guess. Or maybe this is like they want to start the clock running on this um, it's not an exemption. What's it called? whatever
1: this,
0: I don't know, it's, but it's not a suspe- there, there's this this uh, suspension whatever Antonio would be subjected to by the NFL and they want to start that clock running so that maybe next season they have him. I, I just can't believe the guy will make it through the summer without popping off. You know
1: what? Way. You're probably right because people used to say that when he got released from the Steelers and I didn't believe that. I'm like, come on, man. Some, he's going to finally settle down. And I honestly think if the Brittany Taylor sexual assault allegations hadn't come out, I think he would have been fine in New England because he would have, at least for a little while and then probably yeah, you know, it would have gone off the rails. But sure. he was he scored. He got catches in the one game he played for them even though he only practiced for a couple hours. Like, And I think with the Saints it would be the same thing. Those are two teams which is so annoying because there's teams like the Seahawks, Packers, and Steelers who have had good offenses through the years because of like the, the incredible skill of their quarterbacks. But then there's teams like whatever team Kyle Shanahan coaches or Sean Payton, Saints, and Belichick McDaniels, Brady with uh, the Patriots who you can plug people in and that's just a brilliant offensive system and these guys are head and shoulders better than everybody else. So you're going to get your catches with them, which makes me so angry. But... Uh, what were you? you say? Oh, no, this could just be a brilliant and shrewd move by the Saints to just get Brown before anybody else has access to him in the offseason because I'm sure there are a ton of teams who are interested in him because as long as you're good at football, they do not care what you are like or what you have done, and it seems like every coach in the NFL thinks, no, I can be the guy who fixes him. Oh, the player-friendly coaches of Mike Tomlin and John Gruden couldn't do it. Even Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in the history of all American sports, couldn't do it. I can do it. Those guys are out there. That's the type of ego I guess it requires to coach. But this way, I don't know. They don't have to battle with these other teams in the offseason. They've spotted this loophole and can grab him ahead of time and stash him on their roster during the offseason while the investigation gets figured out. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is a move for next year.
0: It just seems surprising to me that some this he hasn't picked up before. And You're, you're, yeah. you're surmising. Well, now because they don't have to pay him. Because of the play, they're taking them. A- it's the timing of the acquisition, yeah. Before the playoffs, so he's basically paid for. He's not paid, yes. Okay,
1: right. Because they don't have to pay him. The NFL pays him the playoff stipend. So this is the earliest you can pick Antonio Brown up, where you're not going to have to pay him. If you picked him up a week or two ago, you still have to pay him. Uh, what is he? What was he making? Like twenty something million. Divide that by sixty. You have to pay it. this. The players they don't get paid their yearly salary in one lump sum, they actually get paid week to week, game to game. So you'd have to give him game checks for all those weeks that he didn't play games with. Now, if you sign him right before the playoffs, you don't have to pay him a single game check. That's the first week you can get Brown without having to pay him.
0: I just thought that if he went into the suspended animation, the NFL would give him some, had to pay him during that period, that that period where he wasn't allowed to play. But to, to be clarified, you and I were having Surely an earlier conversation... <laughs> And I forget what what triggered this, but we were talking about bounty. So we were talking about the Saints and we were talking about Bounty Gate.
1: Oh yeah. Well, what triggered it was we were talking about the Saints are a team who I think are motivated to find shrewd little loopholes because they hate the NFL. The Patriots and the Saints don't get along with the NFL very well because of Bounty Gate for the Saints and then the Deflate Gate for the Patriots. But Bounty Gate, obviously, uh, I don't remember what year It was two thousand eleven or twelve or something like that. Uh. No, it was in 2000, 2009. It was the, Super, uh, the Saints' Super Bowl run, 2009-2010 playoffs, when Greg Williams, the psychotic coordinator currently for the Jets, but at the time he was the coordinator defensive coordinator for the Saints. Uh, I don't remember if it was Jonathan Vilma. Maybe we can look this up, but one of the middle linebackers for them. They basically were trying to incentivize their players to knock Brett Favre out of the game before the NFC Championship game, and... They did knock the living crap out of Brett Favre, and I think some of the linebackers. Yeah, it was Jonathan Vilma. Uh, he was like offering ten grand to any other player, whatever the number is, who who knocks Brett Favre out of the game. And after that, they ended up suspending Sean Payton and Vilma for an entire season. And the Saints, I believe, thought that it was unfair that Sean Payton got suspended for the whole season. I don't know why they thought that was unfair. Maybe part of it was because people pretty commonly acknowledge like this wasn't just the Saints thing. All the teams did this. And you and I were talking about like just the dynamic of players incentivizing other players to hurt football players. Yeah, we've heard guys say, I'm not out there to hurt some." I
0: mean, I've heard that quote from many players. I'm not yeah. out there to hurt somebody. And when you all realize you're, you're sort of all in this together because you have the ability to screw up somebody's career. Cause, and that's all it would take. I don't know how you can put a, a quarterback out of a game Without a high risk yeah. of a major injury, it extends beyond one game. How do you hurt somebody just enough to put him out of the game? It, I, I, it can't happen. So
1: this, especially with like Brett a very Favre, if you give him a concussion, he, he doesn't even know what a concussion is. He's coming back in. You got to tear a ligament for him to get out of there. Yeah. So I
0: just uh, I know you said that every team does it. Oh, they did it. Yeah. It just uh, I would like to know the truth. We need another insider.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because that is so weird. Because I do believe that players do not, except for Vontae's Perfect, that's why Vonte's Perfect was my most hated player for a long time before the evil uh, douche uh, weaseled his way around. But uh, B- Perfect, I believe, did want to hurt players. He just couldn't control himself, and that's why he's twisting legs on the bottom of piles. And people do dirty things on the bottom of piles, but Vontaze Burfik was one of the rare players who I saw, maybe Dominic Sue at a few times, who really wanted to injure guys. But I think that that was more of like a... These dudes have no control over their temper. And maybe, thank God, they're playing football because who knows what they'd be doing if they didn't have that outlet or something. But for the most part, I don't think NFL players are trying to really injure other players. I do think they want to knock the living crap out of them and scare them. And if they can knock them out of the game with, like, a concussion or something, I definitely think they wanted to do that through the years. Maybe that has changed a little bit with the CTE and degenerative brain condition stuff being discovered recently. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't... Think they want to do that, but that story kind of spits in the face of it, doesn't it? Right?
0: Yeah, I, I agree that it can't be the only instance of pay for you know pay for pain. Yeah. Well, that is uh it for our first preview show. We're gonna we're while. talking about Nick and I've been talking about rolling this out next year and trying to have a second show on Thursdays to preview the the next week. We'd love to hear from you. So give us your opinion if you think that's something you'd listen to. We'd like to get some feedback. So hit us up on Twitter. At Steelers Outpost, shoot us an email at Steelers Outpost at Gmail. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers!
1: Yes, go Steelers, indeed. And before I sign off, I just wanted to mention we did have a calling question this week from Dr. Dave, baby, sweet dirty Dr. Dave. He's not dirty; he's just he's handsome. He's tall. He likes the Patriots, but you know what? Can you do? It's for real. I've seen. I remember when we first met back in high school. He said he liked the Patriots. And I said, well, that's unfortunate. But he's all about it. So we got to say, hey, it's not a fair weather guy. This is a real Pats fan. And he asked me a question earlier in the week when that Mortensen report came out. When do we have to address the real possibility that Ben Roethlisberger might not play another down of football? And the answer is not today, baby, because Benny's coming back. Merry Christmas, everybody. Ben's coming back. I hope he doesn't shave the beard. I hope he goes Fitzpatrick on it. I think that that's the next way to evolve.
0: They have to get an extender like they have those extenders on the seat belts in the airlines for the chin strap. That's
1: right. He might not even have to wear one. His head will just fill up the helmet so much that it won't move around. But it'll do that while he's slinging tutties to Juju and Deontay and Washington and uh, Josh Gordon. Yeah, he'll be there. All right,
0: well, last year we knocked on the door as Bum Phillips so eloquently put it, this year we're going to knock it down. That's right.
1: Okay, everybody, bye-bye.